Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Mike McPeak, and with me today is Julie Keel. Hello, everyone. And Jeff Sire. Hey, everybody. And this week we're going to do uh, Childhoods and the miniseries. We've done the uh, Arthur C. Clarke um, novel before, but we decided to do the uh, the series this time. And as usual, we'll give you the brief synopsis here. Um after peaceful aliens invade Earth, humanity finds itself living in a utopia under the indirect rule of the aliens, but does this utopia come at a price? Yeah, the quick synopsis. Yeah, and I, it's been a while since we've done that, and I couldn't quite remember the story, so just before we started, I was reading the synopsis for the story versus the miniseries. Yeah, and they did change things, and I, I don't know that it was necessarily good or bad but they did change it from the uh the original story and but i think it it worked well i think it seemed to flow okay yeah i i personally rather like the mini series i think it did a good job of um telling the story and once again it's always a challenge to depict visually something that's been described using words you know so good on them i thought they did a fairly good job with that um, it held true to the important parts of the book. Right. It let go of a few things. N- most significantly, the relationship and the plans and plotting of the brother and sister. Um, but, you know, that was kind of a, you know, tangent anyway. So uh, yeah. it didn't really change the story that much, except that I do remember when I was watching the, the series at the beginning... Uh, the first time, I was like, "This this kind of sounds familiar." Because I, I, it had been a while since we read the book to the point where I couldn't remember which book it was, and um, it's like this is kind of familiar, but this isn't right. No, um, you know, something was, uh, uh, and then you know, about an hour into it, it started ringing a bell with what was actually going on. I'm like, "Yeah, something." It didn't jump right in to where the books jumped right in. You know, it, it, if it had started in the same place, I'd have probably recognized it a lot sooner. Yeah, there's a few subtle differences. And like I say, until I re- read the synopsis just before we started, I wouldn't have remembered it because the, uh, the, uh, the guy that was the main contact uh, for Corellan uh, in the story, in the book, was a U.N. Secretary General. Here he's just a plain old farmer who kind of had the the gift of blarney i guess you will or you know to be able to uh, talk to people and convince people to come over to his side so he was more of an ordinary man and like i say they cut out the whole brother sister subplot which i didn't really remember until i started reading that and, and i think in the book i got the feeling that it covered more time um yes yeah, that was definitely different yes it was like generations like i think the ships were there for like 40 years or something. 80 yeah <laughs> something yeah they were there uh, long. Yeah. Yeah, I think by the time they got around to was exposing themselves was it fifty, sixty years, something like that. Yeah. So, and here you got the feeling because the the boy that was in the wheelchair who eventually went to the Overlord's planet, uh, uh, spoilers, people, um, he was like in his thirty, so let's call it about twenty some years, I think. That, but I don't really see it that, you know. That didn't affect the story any. It's just if you read the book and then you watched the miniseries, it was disconcerting. I think uh, this was probably a money decision for the producers because if you have it separated by like eighty years or whatever, makeup you're gonna have 
Yeah, well, not no. You couldn't do makeup. You'd have to have two separate casts, right? So yeah, that would double possible. your. Yeah. yeah, and and whereas the way they did it, if they just stay fifteen years, well, really the you know the people really didn't look much older, and you could you could just kind of like chalk it up to like oh yeah they're older, and then the only cast casting you know uh, changes you have to make are Milo. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure child actors don't get paid full scale uh, that an adult gets. And then uh, he's just in one episode, and you just have him right. like, uh, all of a sudden he's an adult. So yeah, there's yeah. a lot of scene time there. Yeah, but you know what the what they do have in common is basically uh, it makes people confront you know some of their long held beliefs because you know part of the uh, of both stories was that the overlords as they were dubbed um never showed themselves right away they let people get see what they were doing before they saw them because when and and that's consistent between both stories when they do expose themselves they are what we have been pictured pictured as the devil and demons and satan for all these years winged creatures cloven hooves uh you know red you know horns. complexions yeah horns yeah goatee the yeah, the full the full yards. Sure, yeah. yeah. Now, did, um, I was trying to remember, did they make mention, because I, I think they mentioned it in the book, but I don't think I remember it in the miniseries. Have they been visiting Earth for years? They imply that, but I don't know that they ever actually come out and say that for sure. Um, like they certainly they imply that the uh, the aliens are kind of like farmers, that they're working for the, the galactic overmine and that they're... Uh, they're transitioning these different species to the point where they can evolve to contribute to the galactic overmind in the end, right? But uh, I don't think they ever come out and actually say, oh, yeah, we've been here at these different times. They did, certainly didn't in the miniseries, but they certainly imply that they've probably showed up from time to time to just kind of like make sure they're kind of cultivating their crops, right? Well, yeah, and, you know, I was trying to – because – they, I'm trying to remember how they, you know, this was, everyone, uh, you know, a lot of people on Earth have their religious beliefs, and these are usually the bad guys in religious beliefs. And I don't remember if there ever was a way that they reconciled that, or were they just saying that um, religion is was the narcotic, uh, the mental narcotic that people use to yeah. cope with things. I think they 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 did have in the miniseries they had one brief thing where they were talking about it, but I think it was just all still speculation. I think they just said sure. that they've been looked at as evil because they were trying to change things. So, I think that okay. and that was part of them kind of shifting mankind in the direction that they wanted them to go. Uh, that's you know, the way I took it, anyways. So right. Well, yeah, and if there there's there are a few things like that that. And I think he, I think Arthur C. Clarke did it in the book where he just kind of presents this stuff and allows you to kind of fill in the blanks as to what's going on. Like, certainly, depending on how you take it, you know, the aliens could be like, you know, horrifically evil, or they could be kind of like a benevolent, like, or they could be like, you know, uh, a force for good. Like, it kind of depends how you want to view the end result, right? Uh, certainly, they they come across in the book and in the miniseries as very regretful that you know, like we wish that we could make this evolutionary step that you guys are doing, even though it involves all this this sacrifice. We wish we could do it, but we can't. 
and that our role in this whole thing is to assist these other races in doing it. And and that's not just that certainly doesn't seem to be just a story that they're concocting. They really do believe that. Yeah, and that makes an interesting perspective in both stories, the book and the miniseries, where I think it comes across in the miniseries sooner. Um, yeah. This kind of almost tragic role that they play, where yeah. you know they're they're kind of helping um, humanity take the next step, whether that's desired or desirable can be up for debate. Yeah. But um, yeah, they they kind of are. They, they, I think the miniseries does a really good job of portraying the the sadness, I suppose, of of that role. Yeah. Um, that's that. That was one of the reasons why I, I added uh, XCOM, uh, the video game, to our list that we did a few weeks ago. That uh, because they do a good job. Like essentially, they've they've kind of copied this story for the video game. And uh, you know, you you spend the whole video game fighting these guys, and then in the end, you're like, oh, I don't know if they're maybe they're not as bad as I thought they were, and they're they're really trying to. And because that's their whole thing is they're trying to get humans to the point where they can evolve to this higher level even though they can't do it right you know is that a trend um obviously childhoods and especially the book is not new you know it's been around a while 1960s i think right so the it you know in oh, the 50s 19, 1953 right yeah i was gonna say right. it's an it's an arthur c clark thing so it's you know Got a got a few decades behind it, um, but you know if you think about your classic sci-fi movie in the fifties, it was UFOs come in and aliens and you know take me to your leader and blah blah blah. Whereas some of these new ones are you know Ender's Game falls into this and even ah, that freaking Starship Troopers um, <laughs> with the um, kind of tragic misca well Forever War. Too, I think didn't, didn't do that anyway. Um, yeah. Tragic miscommunications where we're, you know, assuming malintent and and as it turns out, it's you know they're not necessarily evil, which is what childhoods yeah. end plays with, um, and you know much of the troubles we have are with a lack of communication. Yeah. Well, just just the name childhoods end. You know what does that mean? Well, it could you, you could take it to mean it's the end of the children being born on Earth, or you could take it to mean like it's it's the end of this simplistic way of looking at good and evil, and that you know humanity has evolved to a higher level. Yeah, well, I always took it as humanity's childhood ends. You know, right? Um, and we're moving into our adulthood or the next stage of our. Uh, existence or whatever. Right. You know, if we think we've come a long way, but we're still just kids, you know, on a right. universal, universe-wide, universal scale. Right. Um, well, and, you know, I was a, the, the difference between the beginning of the, the book and the miniseries is I don't really remember any, I mean, I don't remember anything specific. It's just like at the beginning of the miniseries. I think to just kind of show up in the book, it's... um the uh, 
Earth or United States and Russia or Soviet Union are on the verge of sending satellites into space or going into space for military purposes. And that's when they kind of step in. And they did make some mention of it in the miniseries that we were getting too, uh, not exactly the words, but too advanced for our own good. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they were they were here to change our progression to kind of hurt us in the right direction in both books. But I uh, they didn't really specify what it was in the miniseries that they were worried about. Right. Except for some general knowledge that we weren't, you know, mature enough yet to handle or something. Yeah. yeah. The one thing the miniseries added to was the lady that shot him um yeah preta yeah i the that correct me it if added i'm wrong that but whole kind of layer of religion to this story that wasn't there in the arthur c clark thing that that i read right. anyway. yeah it it there the religion in the book mostly revolved around um you know the aliens, Krillin, whatever, looking like devils. And it was one of them who was spending scads of time um, learning about our religions. Um, You know, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was in the library constantly reading all these things. But, yeah, the the miniseries does, you know, take on that topic and puts in, you know, they they, um, depict this farmer that has been chosen to be the liaison um, to and the farm that they live on and, and you know the fanatics are camping out on the driveway in front and whatever and of course one of them is um, become befriends the the wife and blah 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 and you know and then if it, it eventually one day encounters uh, Krellin um, in the barn and I can't even remember exactly how the scene goes down, but winds up shooting him. Um, and so that whole conversation, that whole confrontation in the miniseries is much more explicit, I think, than it was in the book. Um, yeah. I don't think it was in there. Well, it's been a long time since I read the book, but I don't think it was in there at all. Like, I don't think uh, yeah. there was, like you said, like the only thing to do with religion was just kind of like, oh, you guys look like devils that's how you because you've been here before and that's how you you fit into our kind of history and that uh, the one alien is really interested in religion look it, that was one of the things that, that I thought this kind of fell up not fell apart but maybe one of the weaker areas of this was when they got away from the original story and they went into these things like why did her cross get all twisted up these guys obviously didn't give a crap about religion it wasn't like they were vampires and they were like the cross sign of the cross hurt them right so like why did the cross get all twisted up like it did like they they, they kind of left left these breadcrumbs and then they never let like they never indicated like there wasn't even enough information there for you to even seem to make a decision as to what it meant like well the, the one thing i and i and I should go back and rewatch it to see if it well, plays out the way I remember. But in the book, they discover where the Overlord's uh, planet is uh, because the one woman uses a Ouija board. Uh, and while they're using it, it gives the star catalog number for the 
uh, it reveals a star catalog number for the uh, Overlord's home planet, whereas in the miniseries, uh, they have this event, and again, uh, that woman is using a Ouija board, and I thought it was just kind of shoehorned in there rather weirdly. I don't know why she had to do that, but apparently it sent out those signals in the space, and the uh, astrophysicist sees the numbers and is able to correlate it with uh, a constellation to find out where the overlord's home planet is and that constellation seemed to resemble the way that her cross was bent into kind of a j or or something like that so that kind of um i think there was some correlation there but i just didn't really quite follow it or it wasn't that strong and i don't know why they had to do that were they giving him clues or something for people to figure out i don't know why it had to be done but yeah it was you know, like say bent that way, but I think it was you know in the shape of that constellation that the astrophysicists discovered. Yeah, like I don't know. I just I like this story. I think it's it's right. uh, really really good. Um, but there were I don't know. There's there's things if, even with the original Arthur C. Clarke story that I I don't really understand why they needed to be like that. Like why, <laughs> like just the fact that a bunch of children have evolved to this next level of humanity. Uh, then that automatically retroactively makes everybody on her, everybody else who hasn't done that sterile. Like that's not how evolution works. <laughs> like uh, you know, you have a branch that goes off and the other branch continues. It's not like uh, you know everything, every single thing leads to every new thing, right? You know, nature, yeah. nature throws it, casts a wide net, right? And the stuff, you know, they were they were obviously the next higher thing, and they were going to evolve and move on. But that doesn't all of a sudden mean that the the thing that you come from is you know suddenly negated or anything so right you know but that was the overlord's interference though there because um they you know what through whatever you know magic powers they have or science they have rendered everyone sterile because i think they wanted you know there to be a delineation there between you know the next step and they wanted the basically the old uh old guard to die out not have any um confusion or whatever they just wanted you know the human race to take the step and there be no you know but then afterwards but if they take that point of view then they're no longer the benevolent force for good they're genocidal maniacs well no they weren't killing people they just weren't allowing them to reproduce (laughs) they they, they left them on a planet that was going to blow up and refused to allow them to reproduce and even though they had these giant spaceships all over the place they oh yeah we sorry we can't take any of you with us like they don't seem quite as good anymore, right? So right. I, I didn't get that part. Well, like, there was something about the children sucking the energy out of the planet. I mean, like yeah. the entire freaking didn't planet. Leave the parents there to be part of the energy, you know, yeah. source. Yeah, like, but the, they allowed them to die out though. Sacrificing themselves. Yeah, but you didn't see the aliens sacrificing themselves to, you know, to, to the energy harvesting, right? No, because they had to go on to their next planet and repeat this process. Yeah, so like that part of it, it was just oh, okay. Yeah, like I just don't, yeah, I just don't well, see why the story had to be like that. So. Yeah, I think well, I know. you know, scientifically, there's probably not a lot of credence to it but from a storytelling standpoint that's that's childhood's end you know that yeah. to me that's why that's where the t- the book gets its name as in humanity in its infancy is over and only these children 
you know, are going on to the next level and the rest of us, well, you know, it's been fun, but too bad. So, yeah, it you know, like you say, from scientific standpoint, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, there, you know, you, you, you might be able to make an argument that there's no room for humans on the next level, you know, and not, okay, we had a hard time dealing with the devils that came to, you know, steal our children, right? So right. how are we going to go, like, live on a planet that's nothing but devils, you know, as one possibility and knowing nothing about the rest of the universe perhaps that's the best alternative maybe everything else gets worse from there so you know maybe there just wasn't a place for humanity out there i don't know and also this was written in a time when um you know like now we know that there's you know there's pretty much planets everywhere we look but like when he wrote this in 53 you know they were still kind of wondering well maybe this is the only solar system that has planets uh, because we don't know, right? So maybe they thought, maybe Arthur C. Clarke was kind of setting up the idea that, well, maybe planets are a scarce resource, which, you know, from what we see now, that doesn't seem to be the case, right? Right, yeah. So, it you know, it, part, of, part of that ending, too, is just, for lack of a better term, mystical. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily meant to be explained. It's simply yeah. to be, you know, going to the next plane of existence type of thing. Um, so, you know, he, uh, us normal, regular humans, the parents, um, we're just not going to make it there. So, well, and maybe in the over minds um, mind, it would be similar to us, um, let's say, euthanizing a cat that has, you know, gotten too old or you know. Uh, unable to take care of itself and maybe they just figured because we're you know not going to be able to go transition bad analogy yeah uh, no we, that, we're, get we're, on. Keeping, we're looking after ourselves just fine before they showed up right yeah well, we think we were how much were they interfering See, to help them? except well, but you i know, think a better analogy is like okay we have a litter of puppies there's the one i like and we throw the rest in the lake no <laughs> right? because actually this is what happened to my dog when we moved as a kid um, my dad decided to put the dog down because he wasn't going to be able to make the trip. He was so, you know, it just wasn't going to work. Um, it's the, the 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 idea that you are going from one place to another and that you are not going to be able to make the trip and you're not going to be comfortable when you get to the end point, you know, it might have been a mercy thing. Um put you out of your misery while you can as as a power i mean think about the guy who stowed away there is one human survivor you know the old school human survivor in this Um, yeah and that that again like to me that didn't make a whole lot of sense like oh you stowed away hey that's cool well (laughs) how about the other seven billion people you just offed right yeah plus no girlfriend or nothing you know so yeah. Just nobody to. I mean, I'm not going to say Krillin's a bad person to talk to, but he ain't human, you know. So. Yeah. Well, it's, and to be fair, it wasn't the. I don't. Um, well, outside of uh, the um, the drug dealer that shot the kid in the wheelchair, uh, who was brought back to life, and the drug dealer paid with his life. I don't think the overlords killed uh, very many people. 
the ones that the, there were there's people committing suicide you can't put that on the overlords they gave them the opportunity to continue on and they didn't want to with their kids that's not you know uh their fault um and i i think they allowed everyone else to live out their natural life is like it's not like they were saying, hey, let's go for a long walk out behind the barn or anything like that. In the book, that's what they did. They basically had that island off there where they were going to go live the rest of their lives the way they wanted to. But they got nuked. So Well, they nuked, they nuked th- themselves. themselves yeah. yeah. So that didn't quite work out either. So, you know, yeah, the ending of um, – the ending on the, the, uh, the miniseries – was much more because I don't remember the ending of the book involving like did it involve all the kids? Because the miniseries made a definite point of yeah. you know all the children suddenly. I are, think they were just select. I was going to say I remember the book as being like three. You know, there was like the one child from the one family that was moving on to this next plane of existence. I mean. I think there were more than three, but like I don't think it was all the children on Earth or anything. I'm not. I'm not. I can't. I can't really. I can't remember, remember either. Matter of fact, that's we failed here. We should have done the research mm-hmm. on that because the two different endings could be really significant. Um, if well, let, let's see. I'm trying to. I got the synopsis for the book here. I'm trying to read. Yeah. Uh, let's see. They, let's see. Uh, Overlords are unable to join the Overmind. Um, let's see. Foss. Uh, for the transformed children's safety, I guess they don't spell it out there, but they're segregated on a separate continent. Um, yeah, yeah, it I just don't... keeps referring to the children, the children. It doesn't say that there's a limit, so maybe it was all the children. Yeah. So I that's don't not know. the way I remember it, but I maybe either. that's the way it was. I so. remember it being a very small number of children, and I. Um, but yeah, I don't, don't recall my memory. Yeah. Well, yeah, me neither. Uh, yeah. And like I say, something different from the book. Um, they were on that island, and um, let's see. Oh, uh, yeah, they saved Jeffrey's life from a tsunami, and that was never in there because they just go there and they're happy and peaceful or whatever, and then the the kids get sucked up or whatever. So um, they and there was no real reason to have that in the miniseries anyway yeah so there there were some you know we're, what we're kind of doing here is trying to highlight the differences between the two and there were some and I don't know that they were all that significant um, the crux of the story remained the same you know that these aliens came down from above and they look like devils, and it took a long time for us to get used to that idea. And their job was this transition period where we are, you know, growing past what we are now into something bigger. And you know, so those those basic, you know, pillars of the story are still there. You know, some of these details about the children, and of course, this family right. that um, is the the story kind of centers around. At least the children part of it centers around. Um, is there's some differences there for you know artistic license or six hour limit license or you know whatever. So, but I don't think they're bad. I mean, I, again, no. I uh, th- there are differences, but I I don't think they take it away, and I don't think they change the story all that much either, even though they're different. Um, 
Uh, no, I was trying to remember, and that, from the miniseries, was there some significance to him always going back to his first wife rather than his current wife? Uh, some psychological. Yeah. Thing that was or? yeah, that was freaky. I don't remember that so much in the book. I, I don't know if it was. I was going to say I, yeah. I could be. I was about to say I don't remember that at all in the book. No. And like I said, I'm just trying to understand the significance why he kept going back. Was that his happy place or whatever? I mean, he had a, a, a current wife who was, you know, seemed loving and caring, and there was nothing wrong with her. I don't understand what the significance was to the story of him, you know, always centering around his, you know, his ex-wife and then de- or his dead wife um, and denying it uh, when because. At the beginning, there everyone has Corell talks to people through uh, a, a de- dearly departed one or something to that effect, and he lies and tells his wife that it was his father when it was actually his his wife. So I just didn't quite, and I, it doesn't take away from the story, but it did leave me scratching my head, going, "Why was that, you know, significant or whatever?" So, um, yeah. I don't know. And um, yeah, that I thought that part too was just kind of weird. That whole dynamic of like, oh yeah, your wife died, and now I never want you to talk to her, talk about her again. Like uh, now, I'm not in that situation, and I don't really know anybody who's had a, a spouse die, especially young like that. But I would think that if you were married to somebody who had had their spouse die when they were young. That's not something you would be encouraging that person to just stick away. You know, like that yeah. person died when they were still in love with them, and that's something that you have to that has to become part of kind of part of your relationship too. Uh, that yeah, like we're together because this other person isn't here anymore, and you know that doesn't minimize your current relationship, but I think you'd have to acknowledge it, and I think tell her telling him to essentially just don't talk about her again that would poison i can only see that as poisoning your yep. relationship yeah there's a certain amount of that i think that's healthy you know sure you can yeah, take yeah, it too you far to and get it. yeah you, yeah you can't live in the past right but, but the, the it, it, it's it's a bell curve healthy is some sort of middle ground absolutely yeah. not talking about it and talking about nothing but that are yeah. both unhealthy no so, that's that's completely right yeah, yeah so it's it, it, yeah, I I didn't I found that weird as hell. Um, yeah, the that is the one part of the mini series that it was interesting and it was awesome visual. You know, you had this kind of ethereal heavenly room, and maybe that was the point of it in the visual medium. You had heaven and hell, um, but it was weird. Um, I wasn't. I never did really quite figure out what that take on it added to the story yeah. or the drama or whatever mm. yeah. well and I was going to jump back too because you were talking about the uh, overlord's appearance but we also had to wrap our mind around the idea that somebody's going to you know even though they say they're benevolent you have somebody coming in who's whether you like it or not dictating your life even if it is for their you know for your own good how do you feel about because you know you had uh, Columini in there as the uh uh, newspaper editor that you know he w- he started this whole campaign against them because he just didn't want to be told you know how to live his life you know and how would we react I mean you know as human beings we value our independence and everything else and we want to you know make our own decisions even if they are maybe the bad uh, bad decisions but they are our own decisions how do we feel about it when somebody comes in and basically says we know what's best for you we're going to uh, 
take care of things for you. Uh, some people would be okay with that, but there's others that would freak out and you know start this whole resistance movement, which ultimately backfired. Um, but I mean, how how would you know? This is Clark's interpretation, but how would a lot of people, you know, see that as, um, and, you know, one of the other things that was uh, addressed, I think, in both stories was the fact that um, we, the um, creativity starts to suffer. They didn't, um, they basically didn't want us to, you know, get creative or, you know, they just wanted us to be sort of docile, perhaps. Yeah. Um, almost turning turning people into that final generation of cattle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that uh, you know, in both stories, I don't see the significance of that. Uh, you would think, well, maybe they thought, well, you know, your this generation's drawing to an end, so don't waste your time with creativity because it's all going to be for naught. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's what they were thinking but i just i found that kind of puzzling why but i understand the part where we were getting too smart for our own good venturing into places you know maybe atomic weapons or something like that that you know would end up annihilating us i could understand that but i just don't understand the creativity part what's wrong with art and music and pictures and everything else yeah i don't know (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah a matter of fact if I hadn't read the book and knew how this was going to play out, I might have been really pulling for Colmini's character sure. to win. I mean, it's like, no, yeah, you go. Independence Day. <laughs> shoot these buggers down, right? You know. Um, right. It, it was that that whole resistance, maybe we should call it, sure. uh, take was kind of an interesting portrayal and it didn't last long, you know. Um, the, the the unceremoniously way it was stomped out. I mean, it was presented as like Arthur C. Clarke. He's always uh, you know criticized for being kind of you know two dimensional. But yes, we realize that this is a a, a, a point of resistance or, or debate or argument and. Um, I got to bring it up, but yeah, there it is, and let's make it go away because I really want to tell this story over here, you know. So he doesn't really deal with that whole thing thoroughly and and to you know uh, great satisfaction because it's like, yo, dude, no, no, yeah. seriously, answer that question. <laughs> yeah, I think we've done other Arthur C. Clarke books, and I think I, re- I, I could be wrong, but I think I I remember us saying that I don't think he does kind of interpersonal relationships no. very well. No. <laughs> no. So uh, wonderful stories but kind of flat characters. Yeah, which is interesting yeah. because I read the entire Rama series, you know, when we read that first one for the the podcast, right. and I've read all four of them now at this point. And he brought in a co-author for the the remainder of them who got very deep into the interpersonal stories and whatever and I'm like, "Oh man, I want Arthur C. Clarke back. Get on with it." <laughs> yeah. So Anyway, I guess there's pros and cons. I mean, one the, to me, one of the, the brilliant things about Arthur C. Clarke is he's got something he wants to say, and he doesn't get tied up in, you know, the drama and the personal relationships and whatever. It's like, no, we're going to space, and we're going to meet the <laughs> devil, and this, and then we're going to grow to be part of the overmind, and that's, God, that's cool. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, by the way, the ex-wife or the dead wife or what, you know, it's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> 
irrelevant detail. <laughs> So. Uh, yeah, Arthur C. Clarke is a big picture guy. Don't yeah. piddle yeah. around with all this pers- interpersonal relationship stuff. Let's look at you know the uh, mankind as a whole. Yeah. So that's yeah, I get the critique, and I find I like his writing. So there you go. <laughs> Cause, cause I you can, made you it. can extrapolate my personality from there. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, you know, I, I I'm not antisocial. I'm just selectively social, or yeah. something along that line. <laughs> but um, I'm not antisocial. But you've read my T-shirt for today. Thank you very much. So we're done. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, and um, oh shoot, what was I going to say Sorry. here? Um, oh, never mind. Yeah. It, yeah, and you know, usually at some point here during the podcast, we talk about the the uh, tech. But you know, to this story, the tech really isn't. There was a big Ouija board, which was yeah. a bit of tech, and the bolt of lightning or whatever you want to call it. That um, was weird. Yeah, that was weird. And but of course that was in the book too to some extent. The whole how do you right. how did you find the coordinates to their planet? The other piece of tech that was kind of interesting was the ship um, when they were pulling out. Um, it you know it was kind of your standard fare bridge of a spaceship type of thing but it still was kind of interesting right and it's kind of the same notion that we've seen in um um oh, what's the south african movie district i'm just nine? batting real well district nine there we go uh same uh concept of ships hovering over major cities um you know as a way of kind of monitoring you know people and stuff uh just your big old and that's kind of the same idea in, in uh, um Independence Day. Yeah, I was going to say, that's becoming a trope, isn't it? These big-ass ships over big cities, and they just they just hover there, or that's where they make... I mean, to some extent, that makes sense, sure. You know, if you're going to send a spaceship down, you're probably... I wouldn't! No way! If I were to, to, to land on a alien planet, I would not hover over the big city. I would be out in the wilderness checking out the nowhere's land long before I'd be trying to deal with, you know, urban life. Um, so that's well, just it's me. Well, it's their way of saying, you know, it's a um, sign of power or whatever that you you hang there, and we're here, and there's nothing you can do about it, so just get over and accept what we're, we're telling you. Uh, which was kind of the idea here, was that, and they weren't being, you know, malevolent about it, but they just wanted to establish the fact that they're here, they're powerful, we're going to take care of you, just trust us, uh, you know, here's the science of our power. And they did a few, uh, I don't want to say magic tricks, but they got rid of diseases and um, somehow magically made guns not work or something like that. Um, you know, they ended violence, which, you know, we were always talking about we want the end of violence. Why are we willing to do this to, you know, have basically peace on Earth and, you know, enter a golden age? What would we, you know, sacrifice? Apparently, you know, we had to sacrifice, you know, creativity and um, curiosity, I guess, basically. They didn't want us to be curious anymore uh, or no more than we needed to. So what would we sacrifice to have this utopia as, uh, you know, their version of utopia? Yeah, and that's a ongoing science fiction discussion. The idea that utopia is not good for us. You know, the utopia is not the end all be all. Utopia is not um, problem free. Because um, as you were saying, you know, utopia means that there's no more 
struggles, there's no more art, there's no more literature, yeah. there's no more creativity, there's no more science really because, you know, right. who cares? We got what we need, we don't have to make it better. Um, so, yeah, that whole, and that, that again, that's a, that's a huge science fiction theme, that the idea that, you know, humanity is imperfect and we struggle and we have to deal with all kinds of bad shit like mass shootings and deadly diseases and famine and and natural disasters um but you know what it makes us better i mean as rough as all of that stuff is that's what makes well, us human and it's not even you know just science fiction because you know we're in the middle of a political season down here in the US and you know it part of it is what you know you have you know, one side that basically wants to protect us, uh, but at the loss of freedom, and on the other side, there's the people that want freedom, but with freedom comes a certain amount of instability and perhaps you know uh, lack of safety or something. And so you have two diverse sides arguing about things, and you know what what is this? And I don't know if there is a perfect solution. You just have to find one that is least worst. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's it's consensus, I think. So yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, and again, that's what science fiction is really good for is you know the chance to have those discussions and debates and and yeah. portray some sort of alternate way of living that we can't play that game in the real world, but we can play that game if we think about a different world. That's a lot like us, but it has this one thing that's right. different. And what would that mean? So I mean, that's the definition of science fiction right there in my book. Right, and they, they didn't tell you uh, what you know. Th these children went to join the Overmind, and they didn't say what you know. It's the what an intergalactic uh, consciousness or whatever. You know what is that like? I mean, is that like being part of a hive mind? You never have any thoughts that you're are your own. Or, you know, is that good or bad? Or, uh, or it, maybe it wouldn't fit into our definition of good or bad. Maybe it just is. Um, I mean, where you, if you were to ask an individual brain cell how it feels about being part of the brain, it's not going to have an answer. Is that what it's like for these people to join the overmind? Hey, They're just welcome to the Borg. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. And they say that's never expounded upon, and that's you know probably better that way because then we can sit there and contemplate what would it be like you know to lose uh you know and they didn't say they, they lost their consciousness but you know t um, maybe did they lose their self or are you still individual uh you know it, it just gives us a chance to imagine what this would be like and what our version of it would be and whether we would necessarily like it or not but if they're entering a collective consciousness um <clears throat> like i'm sure if if you had a way to converse with the like a drone of a bee colony, they wouldn't even view their loss of their own life as a negative. It's like, no, because I'm part of this bigger organization, and and you know that's the way things are. Like you know, like you know, like uh, animals in that kind of a hive mentality willingly sacrifice themselves for the for the collective because they've lost their sense of well, sorry, not that they never had a sense of self, but that sort of thing. You know, like that's just not how they work, right? And and we're just kind of extrapolating our views of the individual and that onto it. Yeah, like so. I don't know. It's. I think it's difficult because the way they show it in in, in the book and it, and the in the mini series, like those kids have evolved 
evolved to this something that's beyond us. They're no longer individuals, and uh, they certainly like. And in the book, what, the the boys stayed Thomas or whatever right. stayed behind a little bit, and it's just seemed almost at a sympathy for the parents like oh no you know like you kind of looked after us so we're going to be nice to you for a little bit longer but okay this this is this is over now i gotta go right and uh it wasn't like it didn't seem like he had any regret like no you know like i helped you out because i knew this is important to you but you know i'm going yeah yeah it's um <laughs> yeah that, yeah the but book like, was it, much clearer on that yeah, they they certainly the children certainly don't seem to be regretting what's happening. No, not at um, all. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I don't the, know. the big the big quote unquote heartbreak at the, uh, the end was parents losing their children. It's not like yeah. the children died, and it's not like the children were being held back or you know whatever. I mean, there obviously was this sense of loss, but. Mostly there's because also, they couldn't join them. Yeah. There's also been a subtle change in uh, the way we understand evolution now. Like, when Arthur C. Clarke wrote this in 1953, we more or less drew a big pyramid with human beings at the very top, and, like, we're the most highly evolved. Well, once, you know, we started to look at DNA structuring and, and all that, like, we know now chimpanzees are more evolved than humans are because they've they've gone through more changes from when we shared a common ancestor than we have. So if you want to look at, you know, we happen to have evolved in a way that we have, you know, bigger brains and can do more stuff and use tools better, but they've actually changed more. So it's just a kind of subtle thing. It's like, well, what's it mean to evolve? Like, just because you've changed a lot doesn't mean you're extra smart. But then does that say that there's some... that you know, are we just making excuses for why they're, you know, lesser than us or like should it's kind of more of a view for our piece in an overall puzzle than our position at the very top of a pyramid. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and this book and and as a result, the miniseries is still kind of a product of, you know, we're at this top of this pyramid and these kids are going even further up than us and then us being left behind means that we have to you know we're somehow lesser and we have to die which i don't think uh, maybe i'm completely off base on this but i bet if arthur c clark was writing this today i think the stat would there would be changes or subtle differences in in the story i wouldn't doubt that i think at a point there that there would probably be some things different but i'm I, I just as you're saying that i got to thinking about you know what about cro-magnon man um you know from what and i have a limited understanding of things Do you know what you know, i read recently again i've been that? deep into british history lately um the comment was made and it raised my eyebrow that if a cro-magnon man was walking on the streets today you would barely raise an eyebrow you know, yeah. we always see these things in the museum, like, you know, some naked hunter thing. Um, there was uh, somebody said back, like, uh, maybe in the 60s, that uh, that uh, a Neanderthal is somebody you'd be perfectly happy having your sister marry. Right. Because he's just kind of like, oh, he's just, uh, you know, he's just, like, there's nothing wrong with the guy. He's just, you know, just maybe not as complex a thinker as you are or whatever. So, yeah, they're. They would be totally yeah, fine. Yeah, it's, it's like the guy your sister actually did marry. You 
they're, yeah. you know. You well, know. my sister's getting married in August. Oh, well, okay, I shouldn't say I that. I would never that Your soon brother-in-law. Yeah, my, my soon-to-be brother-in-law is way smarter than me, so. Okay. Right. But right. jumping back 60 years in time, I wonder if that's what he was kind of going for, was that, yeah. uh, you know, they accepted, you know, uh, thinking back then was Cro-Magnon man had to die out so modern man could evolve or, you know, something like that. You couldn't have the mixing because that might dilute that's, things. Yeah, that part at the end yeah. might be, I mean, it might make for a completely different ending without a right. doubt. Yeah. So. But, yeah, basically, at least for me, bottom line is... The miniseries, I, I've, I, I think I've said this before, I have changed my approach on this. I have come to the, the strategy of watching the film, the movie, the TV show first, and then reading the books, because it's yeah. six hours, and, you know, and this is a miniseries, so it was six hours, but the book probably takes you longer than that, depending on how fast you read. Um, so if you... I would I would actually recommend reading both. Matter of fact, take notes and, cu- and send us a, a email or drop us an MP3 file or something and tell us the difference between these two, especially at the end, um, because it's it. I think they both have valid things that they bring to the table. And honestly, after I just said that, I'm really glad I read the book first on this one, because there were so many things that kind of got left out or were done differently. I'm right. kind of glad I did read the book first on this one. That's not always it's, the case. It's it's hard to say because, you know, by reading the book, you know, the tension of the miniseries was maybe diluted a little bit because you kind of knew what was coming on and, you know, kind of what to expect. But, yeah, there was things in, in the miniseries that if you'd read the books, they made a little bit more sense. So it's kind of a I, – I don't yeah. know. Yeah, take a pick. Yeah. In this case, I think either one would work, and they both are good stories on their own merits. Uh, like I said, things were changed, obviously, but um, not you know, the stuff in the miniseries. I don't think detracted from it. Outside, you know, like say maybe the Ouija board and the, you know, one or two weird things, but it really didn't take you out of it. It's just kind of a head scratcher for a minute there. Um, but I really uh, both stories are good, um, and I would recommend them to anybody who wanted to, you know. Uh, read this, or you know, listen to the, watch the movies, read the book, whatever, and it does give you things to think about. What does it mean to evolve to the next step? What, where are we going as human beings? What would happen if somebody showed up and say, "Hey, we know what's best for you. Would we capitulate or would we fight it?" Um, it, it raises a bunch of questions for people to sit there and, and contemplate and just, you know, think about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, to me, one of the really things that I that. I come back to this is the whole visual thing. The devil shows up and wants to save humanity. I mean, really, how long would it take us to get over that? Yeah, what would you do? Yeah, I mean, seriously. Yeah. I I don't know if we could. I mean, honestly, as a, I don't know if as a peoples, as a species, we could do that. Not and, like, and in the book, at least, it depicts that it takes generations worth of that. Yes. And I, even in the books, I thought it was fast. I mean, just let's just talk about race relations. Let's talk about Ireland. Um, you got hundreds yeah. of years for people to get over. Well, 
but things but when things they don't. when they change they can change fast like you look yeah, at uh, uh, Ireland you know the, like the Catholic Church had that stranglehold on Ireland for years and years and years and now like last la, you know last year they're the first country on earth to bring in uh, to you know uh, gay marriage by referendum like the majority of the people in the Republic of Ireland voted for that yeah and that's like unthinkable from like when I was a kid in the 80s like knowing like I I don't think you could get a divorce up until maybe in the mid 80s in Ireland yeah like it's crazy that well, things have changed that fast yeah and, and the US gay marriage and that kind of thing and you know to some extent race relations you know the civil rights thing that went down in the yeah. 60s seemed to have happened quite fast too although we're you know that's ongoing yeah. but um, yeah it's I think I think that's to me that's the thing. I think we can make um, changes quickly, but we can't uh, internalize them for a long, long time. I mean, I think we could say, "Oh yeah, you know, the Carilion people or whatever they're called, um, they're they're cool, they're good for us, they're they're great." And then we would look at them and go, "Damn, you're not human, are you?" <laughs> you know, yeah. so. Um, it, it would that yeah that would be generations would generations and generations you know honestly yeah. i i think one of the things we fight nowadays in trying to get over some of that stuff, i mean it's it's kind of a double edged sword you know social media internet instant communications all of that can bring people closer together give personal relationships and personal you know, contact where before it was just this, you know, label that was out there. But on the other hand, nothing ever goes away. So, um, you know, stuff that you think is, you know, we've gone past that and then somebody digs it up, you know, 20 years later or something. It's like, ah, shit, here we go again. You know, so um, it's kind of a double-edged sword. So, you know, given that this uh, Childhood's End, especially the miniseries, even to some extent the book, um, is in you know, like present day with all of the electronic stuff that we have, um, it's kind of fighting that battle too. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, the whole concept, I mean, whether it's the miniseries or the book, the whole, again, that big story that Arthur C. Clarke was telling about, you know, the devil's coming from its face to help us to do good and take us to the next level of humanity, but wipe us out at the same time, you know, is... Still a really interesting story. Well, and if he would have if he would have chosen to have angels come from on high and deliver this, this would be you know a different story. Yeah, but, now you know, how different that would that's fun to think about. How different yeah. would it be if that if the Carillion looked like oh I don't know the statue David or sure. you know had wings, um, yeah. you know like a cherub or so, you know or looked like <laughs> Jesus or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and, well, and Basically, what he's doing is how do we uh, overcome God. generations of conditioning That's, you, that yeah. – I never thought about that before. But seriously, if he'd look like Jesus rather than the yeah. devil, how much faster and different would that have all been? They would have – okay, we'd have had – you know, as yeah. much as the miniseries dealt with the religion with the devil, wait until right. Jesus shows up and the the fanatics, for lack of a better term, fanboys, whatever you want to call them, sleeping on the driveway – that thing would have been, you know, miles and miles and miles long. So, yeah, it's, uh, that was an interesting choice. We did it yeah. the hard way. Yeah. Um, 
because to have the you know the message delivered by the devil is a completely different story than by you know angelic choir or right. whatever. Yeah. And again, it goes back to uh, how we've been conditioned. How well do we change our conditioning? So yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So there's what I'll be staying up all night thinking about tonight. <laughs> sure, I've given you a new hobby there. I uh, know. Thank you for okay. that. Sure. But with that, we'll wrap up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out at SciFiTechTalk.com where there's plenty of cool space junk available for purchase. Pop into the forums there and take uh, part in the conversation or follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have any ideas or comments, please send them to greetings at SciFiTechTalk.com and reviews on iTunes are always welcome. So, Julie, where can people find you when you're not slaving over a hot computer? <laughs> Pretty much nowhere. Um, <laughs> now, I can be found on Twitter at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L and links to the other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else. Ever else I've got going on can be found at about slash Julie Keel. And Jeff, when you're not trying to find some motorcycle time, where can people find you? People can follow me on Twitter at Bronco Sire. That's S Y E R. And when I'm not cleaning a high school and waxing floors, you can find me on Twitter at DSC Chipman. And I have my about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M C P E E K. And next week, we're going to be covering the book, The Life Engineered. Um, J.F. DuBose's du- uh, debut novel, try saying that. Um, <laughs> DuBose debut. Life- Woofta. Yeah, no kidding. The Life Engineered begins in the year 3594, where humanity is little more than a memory, a legend in the distant past destined to reappear. Capex, the race of artificial creatures originally created by humans, have inherited the galaxy and formed a utopian civilization built on the shared goal of tirelessly working to prepare for their maker's return. Uh, But that's it for this show, and we'll see you in the future. Quick, you might remember. Quick, you might remember. It's the sci-fi tech talk. Quick, you might remember.